Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Spilled Tea, your place for the latest on pop culture, entertainment news, and LGBT issues. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to another edition of The Spilled Tea. I am one of your hosts, Emmy Morgan. I just want to preference this by saying there's a lot we're going to talk about. This may go up to the two-hour limit. I know a couple of shows have been an hour and 45. This might go right up to two hours. I, I like, literally probably have to stop it because Joe and I are both talkers. We're both very um, long-winded. Am I right, Joe? And we can't help it. We uh, talk, talk and <laughs> okay, who's more long-winded, me or you? Be honest. Definitely me. Definitely me. I thought you were going to say me. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I I I disagree though. I disagree. I think I'm way more long-winded. But then when I get my point across, I'm like, all right, I'm going to shut up because I have nothing more to say. And that's that's <laughs> that's literally how I am. I'm either long-winded or very short. There's nothing in between. <laughs> Whatever. That's fair. But um, what what was your week like last week? Uh, my week was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. My my, uh, my leg is on the mend, so that's that feels good. I'm uh, nice. I'm actually walking walking more normal. So this this week has been more uh, more normal, I guess. Um, Are you thinking too crazy going on? No, nothing. Straight up sneakers. Oh. I've been doing physical oh. therapy. I I feel like I mean I have a noticeable lift. Let me put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. It's gotten much better even since I've stopped using my silly little scooter and my uh, you know I tr- I I stopped using the boot. And things are things are are improving drastically, in my humble opinion. Still a long way to go, but I think that you should just go for it and just like do the ghetto limp. No one will notice. You know what I mean? Like just be like, "What's up, girl?" <laughs> yeah. Some people who might see that might, um, you know, they might they might think there's some cultural appropriation going on. It's not. You're like a quarter black. Just, just be like, yo, I'm telling you. Just tell them that your life ended, and it'll be fine. All right, I could, I could try to sell it any way that I can, but the bottom line is, yeah, the limp is going to go away, and I do not want to keep it. Fine, whatever. (laughs) Um, well, let's talk about it now. Was Was there while we're? Oh, my week. It was actually. Pretty uneventful. I'm not going to lie to you. I was supposed to go into the office because we're going back full time into the office in September. And I was supposed to go this Friday, but my car transmission fluid needs to be replaced. And I didn't feel comfortable. And the only, well, what I did was on Thursday, I went to this place where I normally go to. They're like, yeah, we can't do it. And I'm like, what? 
how can you not do it? You told me that I could come here because I was told to get it done. I was recommended to get it done. And I ended up didn't, they said they couldn't do it. The only appointment I have is the 27th. So I have to literally wait till the end of the month to get my transmission done and also go into the office. So little, now, uh, I, I a little perturbed we about that. this. I thought, I thought we talked about this, that we were going to try to fight the power a little bit here. What do you mean, fight the power? Like not going back in if we don't have to. Well, so for the month of July, we have to go back in at least once. I have actually been going back to the office twice a month because of something that I have to do for my job. So mm-hmm. it kind of lined up where I was supposed to go this this past week. It was going to line up because I had something to, like, that was my normal schedule. And then the car was like, nope, you're not going. So... Um, I'm a little perturbed, but also at the same time, I'll have to talk to you offline about it. There are things that are going to be changing at my work for the better. So I'm kind of excited okay. to go back to work. Um, but yeah, I, I won't get into that on here, but yeah. And then also I, um, very quickly, because we're going to be talking about a lot more important things. I watched two movies um, <laughs> that are completely opposite. I watched Skyline because I am a huge Eric Balfour fan, and it was decent. I mean, it wasn't the greatest. It was like a sci-fi movie thing. I also watched um, the Wendy Williams TV movie. Um, don't judge me, but I know you are. I feel like I have a better explanation about her life, but I still feel like, well, I'm going to say it. When you are a good person, some crappy things happen in your life to kind of challenge you to be a better person and to challenge your, your, test your character, test your faith, test everything. And then when you get out the other side, you're a better person. When you're a bad person, Shit happens to you as karmic justice. Um, I kind of also believe if you're a good person, those bad things that are happening, it is karma, but it's a different kind of karma. It's karma to get you to be a better person at the end of it. Um, whereas with bad people, it's just plain karma. Like you do bad to somebody else, something's going to happen to you, period. End of story. Um, so I think some of the problems in her life were caused by herself. Not all of them, obviously, but I think some of them. And although I, I feel for, I'd never want anyone to have anything bad happen to them. Sorry, Wendy, but, you know, damn, girl. But I, I do appreciate her hustle. I really do. She, has, she is a hustler, and I appreciate that. The other big thing that I watched, which was huge, was Shark Week. Discovery Plus um, had all this shark stuff. I learned, and I've been doing Shark Week since, like, 2011. I feel like I've learned more this year than I ever learned. And some of these marine biologist guys, they're not single, but they're hot. Um, 
but I could never date one of them because they're so stupid. Why are you, I understand chasing sharks. The reason being is for, you know, for people to know where to swim, for when there's low, low seals or ocean life animals, why? It's because of these type of, you know, sharks are here and whatnot. And I get all the research behind it. But I could never date a man knowing that he might not come home tomorrow because he went on a shark expedition. You know, like, uh, no, stay on land. <laughs> like, I, I'd rather you stay on land. But one of the um, one of my new marine biology crushes is actually from Boston, Dr. Austin Gallagher. So I was like, oh, hi. What's that, boo? But, yeah, Shark Week is over. It was amazing this year. So amazing. And, fun fact, great white sharks aren't the main attackers of humans. It's tiger sharks. And they are called tiger sharks because they actually have stripes on them. Never even fucking knew that. So, yeah, very um, very valuable. It is, wait, are you making fun of me? No, I'm not I making fun never of you. Tell that was a that kind tone. of, like a, okay, like yeah, a little bit I of sarcasm mixed in. Mm-hmm, that's but, what I thought, yeah, yeah. But Shark Week, Shark Week is awesome. I'm not, uh, there's no denying yeah. that. It's so like, like I thought I knew a lot, and then I watched this week. I'm like, what have I been watching these, these 10 years? Like the heck? It was so good this year. So good. Um, yeah. I hate eels, by the way. And there's this really dangerous eel that's about the size of your head, and it can snap your head, like crush it just with one bite. So just another reason why I hate eels. Uh, but, yeah, and then I also um, harsh. Yeah, I've also decided that I'm going to start two franchises. One I've already done before and one I haven't. The first franchise I'm going to start is the Fast and Furious franchise. I've done it before. I've seen all of them, but I want to do it again. The other one that I'm about to start is the Saw franchise. I stopped after the second movie because it was just too gross. And that, that scene where they pick her up and throw her in the pit of needles, I just oh my god I just can't and then she's like struggling to stand I'm like I I have nothing against needles don't get me wrong but that was a nightmare to watch I think I cried that was a lot of needles that was a lot of needles and I was just and she just they were stuck everywhere and I was just like oh my god oh my god anxiety but I mean, some people get acupuncture, so I guess that's the same thing. No, it's not. Um, so, yeah, I'm not looking forward to starting this franchise, but I kind of just want to do it, get it over with. I've done the conjuring ones. I thought they would be gross and scary. They weren't. So maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just overhyping this, but whatever. So let's get into it. Um, This episode is called Exposure for a Reason. 
We're going to be spilling some hot-ass tea today. The first thing we're going to talk about is Burger King. If you don't know what happened in the Lincoln, Nebraska Burger King, so the manager started in January of 2021. She was understaffed, and when she says that, she means you can't just um, you can't just hire some, if you're a manager you can't just hire people. You have a budget, and you have to stay within that budget. So what the manager was doing, especially in retail, she was asking her boss, "Listen, I'm understaffed. I need more budget to hire more people. I'm working 50, 60 hours, and I only have eight employees." And the manager was like, "Deal with it." So. She gave her two weeks' notice recently. Before she gave her two weeks' notice, um, the reason – it wasn't just being understaffed. The kitchen also had no AC. So imagine working in a kitchen with no AC whatsoever, especially fast food, and you're grilling, you're frying, you're doing all this stuff. So that's it. I'm done. Her boss called her a baby, and when she gave her two weeks' notice, was like, yeah, well, you're fired. So then they put up on the sign, we all quit, sorry for the inconvenience. The other eight employees, one of them was there for eight years, was like, if this manager's going, so am I. Imagine that. This woman started in January. This person was working there for eight years. This manager was so good that she decided to leave her eight-year job in protest of this manager. That is a manager that we all should be working for. What are your thoughts on it, Joe? Well, number my my first impression of this was how stupid can you be at this time mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. the you know the return from the pandemic? How stupid can you be to take a situation like that as a, as a, as a business or, you know, as a management team or whatever, and piss off employees when mm-hmm. you are literally at the worst point in, in, the, in the, the process of trying to keep yourself staffed. And the service industry in general, let alone the food industry, is absolutely decimated because of the pandemic and the, um, and the unwillingness of people to go into conditions that are, frankly, that suck. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing, you, it's hard to find servers and bartenders for restaurants mm-hmm. and, and places that, you know, you, know, you, you would you at least get tipped for. In Burger King, not only do you get treated like shit for serving people their, their crummy food, but then you also get trashed in terms of pay because no one wants to pay a living wage in these types of industries. So a lot of people have rethought the return to the workplace and saying, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I'd love to go, I would love to go back to my uh, job at Burger King. Wasn't even a thing before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Imagine what people are saying now, like no one wants to go back. And then for this stupid, you know, this stupid business to, basically shit on this manager and, and this group of people that, that work there is, I mean, it's idiotic. I, I'm, I'm baffled mm-hmm. that someone would be in that position. But 
whatever. That's that's their business, and now they got to deal with the outcome. So, great part about it to me was that this staff, and and you know, frankly, especially in the labor market the way it is today, they can go somewhere else and get a job like that. It's not even a it's not even uh-huh. a second thought. But the fact uh-huh. that they were all willing to stand up together and band together in solidarity of the mistreatment of one of their coworkers is, you know, something that I think is extremely admirable, and, and especially in a day and age where we've lost a lot of, of union representation and a lot of strength in, in how unions operate. Um, it's nice to see that employees can still take, you know, take an opportunity to speak out against um, what they consider to be an unfair practice or an unfair, you know, treatment of, of a, a, a coworker. So I'm, I'm happy that that happened. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's something that I, you know, I, I'm sure every single person that, that has worked in the food industry or worked as a server has thought about, you know, just getting up and leaving and, you know, having a bunch of their coworkers go with them. Um, mm-hmm. but to do it, but to do it so publicly with the sign, like, Hey, F you, and we're leaving and, uh, mm-hmm. and Burger King sucks. Like that's, that was an awesome way of just kind of throwing up a middle finger. I'm, I, I thought it was a very, very cool, um, cool way to do this. I think part of the reason why the management didn't care is because they think, well, if these people leave, we can get somebody to, because even though the conditions are bad, people need jobs. So I think that that's why they don't, they don't give a fuck about these people leaving. They tried to get them to stay by offering them all a, a dollar raise, but they were like, no, no, sorry. So now they're yeah, doing, trying to get new managers in. I know, I know. Offer them a raise instead of just offering them to fix the AC. Like, it would cost you less to fix the AC and get more people. Like, I don't understand, like, decisions on, on that franchise. And P.S., this is not Burger King corporate. Every Burger King is a franchise. So there's one owner for that. That one owner is failing. And I'm sure they have yeah. other Burger Kings, too, because typically if you're a franchise owner, you have more than one of them. Maybe they have, like, more than one Burger King, more than one Subway, whatever. But they're failing. And I yeah, like. And you know what I'm thinking, too, especially in retail, because I think we've both worked in retail before. When you're in retail, you know ahead of time that your boss is going to quit, something's going to come in. You know all these things beforehand. I'm hoping that the boss was like, you know what, guys, I just want to give you a heads up. I'm going to be giving my two weeks notice soon. And then they were like, well, if you're leaving, I'm leaving. And so I hope that they got jobs before they all quit is my point. Um, I'm hoping you know that's awesome happening. There's, there's two awesome things that probably came out of this. Number one, all of those people that were working at Burger King, especially right now because there's such a labor shortage in so many areas, they were all probably mm-hmm. able to get jobs pretty easily, even if they walked out yep. that day, you know, without having the, fore- the foresight to be able to, you know, to make that decision beforehand. They all probably were able to find jobs pretty easily. And, you know, I, I would suspect 
at similar or higher compensation. The other best part about this, which I think is even more hilarious, is imagine being this franchise owner. And like you said, maybe they own a couple. Maybe this is their only one. It doesn't really matter. But that's how they managed the situation is they were like, F you, Uh this is how I'm going to handle it. And then everybody quits. And now the best part is they have to go in and work and run that Burger King if they want it to open and to run every day. And I bet you they'll fix the AC when they go in. I guarantee yep. it. Yep. You're oh, right. it's so funny. <laughs> Arguing about something that you're going to fix anyway. Yeah. Silly. And then you have on the opposite side, um, because these people didn't quit because of fighting with a customer or an attitude. They quit because of the working conditions. And then you got on the complete opposite side in Short Hills, New Jersey Mall, where the employees all conducted business as usual while another customer was being harassed. So her name is um, Ijoma Yukenta. She was filming herself um, while she was at Pink, which is a Victoria's Secret store. She came there to get, you know, the free panties with a purchase or whatever. So while there, this woman kept cutting the line and getting in front of her. And just like the girl was Abigail Elsnick, she kept like just being crazy. So the woman decided to start filming herself, not because she wanted to make a mockery of Abigail, but because she wanted to protect herself in this day and age. We've all seen it. If black people and brown people do not film themselves during an incident, they could be held accountable for what's going on. Abigail person, what happened in the video was, I think that Miss um, Kenta was moving forward in the line and Abigail went over and slapped her. And these people don't know each other. And so she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe she just hit me. I've never thought anything like this would happen to me, but she just literally hit me. And so Abigail throws the garment that she was going to purchase on the counter, and she's like, no, don't fill me. And she drops to the ground. She has this, like, 10-minute freakout because she now knows, number one, she's a Karen. Number two, her life is not going to be what it was before. I guarantee you if she hit this person on camera, she's hit other strangers off camera. She she freaked out, quote, unquote, because she was scared that her, the film would go, uh, the video would go viral. She would lose her job as a uh, teaching assistant for children. And she would also lose her apartment, lose everything. The video is insane. At one point, she gets on the ground, um, laying sideways, and kicks her legs, screaming and pointing at Ms. Kenta, saying, get her phone away. And she began her freakout by saying, please don't film my, break- my mental breakdown. Honey, it wasn't a mental breakdown. It wasn't even an embarrassing situation for you. You knew that you would be canceled, so you did everything to gain sympathy for yourself. The part in the video 
that pissed me off was when a customer told her, told Miss Atenta, who is trying to protect herself, who even said, I'm going to keep filming because I want to protect myself in this incident. The customer looked at Miss Akenta and said, you need to just get away from her. And she says, no, I'm standing here. She can leave the store. She's not doing anything. She's not purchasing anything. She can leave the store. Why would I leave? And then later on, another woman says, okay, put the phone down. Stop filming. And she's like, no, I'm protecting myself. It gets even worse when police get there and say, well, we don't have jurisdiction to tell her to leave the mall. And then the mall security doesn't tell her to leave the mall either. But everybody is, like, attacking this poor woman who was attacked anyway, who was physically attacked. So Ms. Akenta is suing um, the New Jersey Police Department. She's suing the mall security. And she's also suing... Victoria's Secret, who put out a statement saying, yeah, we saw the disturbing video of an altercation between customers. That wasn't an altercation. That someone was attacked for no, physically attacked for no reason. All right, I'm going to stop. What, is your, what are your thoughts? This was a lot. Well, I have a couple thoughts. Um, my, my first thought is, number one, I don't know that she's going to get very far with the lawsuits against the police. They are limited in their jurisdiction. Mm. It's a private business. The the mall is a private business. um, And the security there only has certain, uh, certain, they're limited in terms of their response as well. So um, I don't know how far the lawsuit's going to go against them. And, you know, the same thing with Victoria's Secret. Like I understand Victoria's Secret is trying to, you know, to, to PR the situation and, um, and hope that it, you know, it goes away by just giving some, you know, cursory response to it to just kind of, I don't know, calm everyone. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, what what people see and what people observe um, in the video, I think is enough to at least, in my humble opinion, compel people to, you know, and I don't want to say cancel because I don't think that that's the right word when we're talking about someone, but I do think the public outcry in this situation is justified. And more importantly, mm-hmm. what I think that that means that someone like this, who is entrusted with, you know, the educational experience of children to any degree, mm-hmm. um, should, should not be involved in that profession. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's mm-hmm. not reasonable. So if mm-hmm. she loses her job, I don't feel bad for her tantrum. You can't go out and tell it. You know, I think about in, in my profession or, or in your profession, if we were to go out and act a fool mm-hmm. and, and put this on display and it was something that was counterintuitive to what our profession was or it looked poor for our company, I would expect that they would be like, no, that's not going to fly. You got to go. Mm-hmm. So don't think that your public bad behavior, and, and the same thing applies. Your, your private employer who sees your, your business out, you know, on social media or whatever it is, and all of a sudden everyone starts saying, oh, hey, you work for X company, and this person who is an employee at this school system, like, that's going to have ripple effects, and that school system has, mm-hmm. you know, they have their own image to uphold. So if you want to act yep. a fool, that's on you. You want to make a public spectacle of a situation, and you know, be a, be some you know lunatic writhing on the floor and kicking at people. Like, 
you, uh-huh. you're, you're going to get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. And she chased her around the store, telling her to get away yeah, from her. Tia. She chased the person around. Let me just repeat that. Abigail chased Miss Ukenza around the store saying, get away from me. Chased her. Literally. Miss Ukenza's like, someone, call security. Get her away from me. Get this woman away from me. She's crazy. The mall, the people, the employees, one employee stood people in front not. of her and, and tried to keep her away, but she went around the table to try to get her. It was crazy, Joe, watching that video. Mm-hmm. See ya. I don't I feel you bad for job. Yeah. I, hope, you know, I don't either. Yep. I don't feel yep. bad in the least bit. Mm-mm. You want to act a fool? Be prepared for the repercussions. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of what happened at McDonald's with that lady who, the three slushies, I think we talked about that, where she, um, I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, where she wanted three different slushy flavors and they said they couldn't do it and she just went crazy. She immediately got arrested, but she physically fought people, so that's why she got arrested, but... So, it was crazy. So the police, the police who, mm-hmm. there's, the only thing that I think the police could have done is that because she had assaulted someone, mm-hmm. they should On have. On video. It, and, they have mm-hmm. video. And they have video evidence of it. They probably should mm-hmm. have done more to, to, you know, to remove her from the situation. Because if there was ever a complaint of an assault, Everyone knows that the police right. would step in and they would, you know, if it was, if someone called and said, oh, I got assaulted at my home, they would come in and they would remove somebody from the home, still private, you know, whatever. Right. But, at, but to not do anything, I think it's a little disingenuous to say that they don't have jurisdiction. You know, whether the video proved anything or not, um, they still have a responsibility to try to, like, calm everything down. <laughs> How are we not putting any responsibility on the Victoria's Secret Pink employees. I know that if I was working there, I would try to isolate that woman, probably get her out of the store, most definitely call mall security. I wouldn't have her sit flailing on my ground. I'm not in front yeah. of customers, not by the cash rack. I myself would and I was an assistant manager the last time I was in retail, I would have been like, ma'am, okay, I need you to either leave the store if you're not purchasing anything or apologize to this woman because you can't be doing this in the store. This is the place of business. None of that was done. They let this woman act a damn fool, and they rang customers up left and right. This woman was screaming at the top of her lungs, screaming, and they just was like, business as usual. How? But see, that's how. That's the thing. We see videos all the time online of people that have, you know, that have stood up in those situations, and they have yelled at, you know, the customer, and, and like that Bath and Body Works one where they actually got into a fight. Yes. Um, yes. You know, we we see those situations where sometimes people do stand up for a customer or against an unruly, you know, person that's in their store. And other times it's, it's hard. Like 
can imagine that as a, you know, as a, as a young adult or, you know, even as a, a teenager who this is your first job or whatever, like imagine working in that situation and you see this scene unfolding, I, I'd probably be a little bit frozen too um, because you don't know what to do. And you don't want to lose your job because you, you know, wrestled some crazy customer. So, like, I can understand why some in certain situations we see videos where someone is, you know, just kind of standing standing by idly or just caring about their business. Um, and, you know, I, I I have to take it with a grain of salt because I think it's there's certainly, I don't know the circumstances surrounding it, and I don't know why they didn't act. But I'm gonna uh, again, I'm gonna assume good intentions. But doesn't that prove my point then? And doesn't it prove that that person was dangerous then? If you're not going to react to somebody freaking out because you're scared for your own safety, that tells me you agree that this person is a dangerous person. And you're not interacting because you don't want to get hurt. Well, and I I don't even know if it's a matter of if they don't want to get hurt. I think it's a matter of you know, why, why would they get involved in a situation, whether it's because they fear their personal safety, whether it's because they fear losing their job for, you know, getting involved in a situation, knowing that this stuff is all going to be on either store camera or somebody's going to be filming it. Uh, It could be just because they're not equipped. They don't know what to do in that situation. They're, 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 they're just, I guess, you know, like a deer in the headlights. Um, so I think it, you know, I think everyone probably reacts a little bit differently, especially in, in a situation yeah. like that where things escalate quickly and, you know, you're not directly involved. Um, you know, there's mm. always the good Samaritan that's in and you hear about those. But um, unfortunately, I think most people, the reason why the good Samaritan stands out is because most people aren't going to do anything in those scenarios. They're not going to... Right. Upset the apple cart. I personally, as an employee, would step up because I don't know. If this person did it to one customer, I don't want them to do it to my other customer. So please leave my store unless you're a customer. It's like using the bathroom. If you're not a customer, you're not using our bathroom. You're not using our dressing room. If you're going to act a fool, but you're not a customer, please leave. I don't want you upsetting my other. What if somebody else, her screaming trigger somebody else for some reason or another, another customer not involved. You need to leave, man. Sorry. I don't want you affecting my other customers or the flow of this whole situation. So, yeah, I would have asked her to leave. But that's just me. Um, Let's mix in some little, like a sprinkle of fluff in here. Joe and I disagree on this topic. We are polar opposites, but whatever. Um, so Benifer is back together. And the first thing that new couples do, especially in Hollywood, is they want to find a place to live, you know? Ben's got three kids that he's um, got joint custody of. J-Lo has two kids that she has joint custody of, so they need a big house. They need, every kid has to have their own bedroom, so that's Five, five bedrooms just for the kids and then a six, you know, for them. So they were doing house hunting and they brought their kids along and they were looking at this house that Joe sent me the link to. $65 million house. All right. Here's the thing. They're both worth over $100 million. 
They were just looking at it. But here's the thing about it, and this is why Joe and I differ. This house is a, a, what I call a COVID house. You could literally stay in that house all weekend long and not be bored. It's got a bowling alley. It's got a movie theater. It's got hair salon. It's got everything. So I get why they would want to spend the money for this house. I get it. Joe doesn't get it. But go ahead. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I, I certainly agree that having, you know, a, kind of a multi, you know, the, the multi-layered family is, is a challenge. And, and um, you know, getting almost 32,000 square feet for that living experience mm-hmm. um, is, is uh, you know, is, is one way of handling it. Um, yeah. But I want, I, want, I want you to think about that for a second. 30, almost 32,000 square feet. It's COVID, Joe. They don't, what if they can't, what if they have to do remote learning again? Yes, then they definitely need 32,000 square feet. Joe said, listen. I just want to say for the record, I just want to say for the record that if you have a 2,000 square foot, 3,000 square foot, 5,000 square foot home for you and for your children or whatever the case is, 6,000 square feet, um, Okay, you know what? You're talking reasonable. 32,000 square feet with a bowling alley <laughs> and a hair salon? Are you kidding yes. me? No. I can, I can accept an indoor pool. I can accept a movie theater as long as it's not an actual full movie theater. But when you're talking about a, 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 a freaking bowling alley and a hair salon, these are not needs. These are not things that people they, need because they have a solution. You are it's bald. Absurd. You don't need a salon. We have hair. We need salon. It's COVID. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that both J-Lo and Ben, all the kids, will only go to that salon to get taken care of. Get the fuck yeah. out of here. There's no way. Joseph. There's no way. There's no way. When they're, when they're jet-setting around the world, are they going to fly home to get their hair done? Come on. That's Maybe. absurd. Maybe no they way. plan There's their jet no around their salon at home, Joe. Oh, of course, because I'm sure they spend all their time in L.A., and that's the only place that they hang out. I've never seen anybody. It's not like Ben would ever have any reason to come back to the East Coast for anything ever under the sun. No. This is, this is what is called excess. And, you know, I certainly understand that, they want to make sure that they're taken care of, and they have, and they have the money mm-hmm. to do it. But there's something to be said about the fact that someone is, you know, just touring a 32,000-square-foot gigantic mansion. There's something to be said about that, that it's interesting to us now because of the fact that we've been cooped up for so long, and now we can mm-hmm. kind of start getting back into what is the, the, what's happening in celebrity news and this is just one of those things that was so normal before COVID. And now, now that True. it stands out to me as just one of those gross excesses that now, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm baffled by, but at the same time, I'm like, wow, I did not miss this one bit. Yeah. Cause your twin Derek Jeter has a home in Florida 
was thirty that is thirty two thirty thousand square feet. And no one batted yep. an eye. He that. said we were so normalized to it that now it's like But I get it though. I understand. Listen, when Chris Evans and I get married and we adopt kids, I want a house that's gonna function for all of that. I mean, I don't know if I need thirty two thousand. I can't have a big house though because I've seen too many scary movies where people, like, I just watched The Bodyguard as well, and, like, that guy came into the house. Like, Kevin, Kevin uh, Costner, he came in to the house with three different names, and security just let him in. Like, I can't have that. I don't even know what a 3,000-square-foot house even looks like. Like, yeah, 32, it is a lot, but I still feel like they're doing it for their family and for COVID reasons. That's that's why I think they're doing it, but we can differ on that, whatever. Uh, what about the fact that they've been dating for five minutes? Oh, here we go. Listen, they already have a history. They are the Richard Burton and Liz Taylor of this generation. If people aren't aware of them, Liz Taylor was one of the hottest highest paid actresses of her time. She was in Cleopatra, met Richard Burton. They both left their spouses to be together. They were together, what, 10 years? And then they broke up. And then they got back together decades later. And then they broke up again. But listen, J-Lo and Ben, (laughs) shut up. J-Lo and Ben were kind of the first not, like super couple back then, you know, Benefer. Benefer was a thing. And they bought this house, and I remember they bought this, like, house in Georgia, and they were all, like, happy, and I was like, oh, I hope they get married. But you notice, though, you notice, they're back together, they're house hunting first, but they haven't become engaged yet. Before they got engaged first and then found the house. Because it's so, been five minutes. You're such a hater. <laughs> I am fully and also, on board for Benifer. Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth yeah. Taylor is very J-Lo-ish because she was she married to what, six dudes? <laughs> I think eight, actually. Well, no, six dudes, but she was married like to some, some guy twice. I think Richard she married twice. And then yeah, another guy exactly. she married twice. Yeah. She J-Lo just won't wedding. marry him. I think J-Lo and Ben will get married again. We'll get married for the first time, sorry. Um, and she will get married again. And I think this is going to work. I I think it's going to work. I think cause she hasn't gone back to any other exes before. Ben is the only well, one. Well, you know, she was with Mark Anthony for 10 years, so maybe he's her remember. I don't know. Yeah. I saw him in, in the hype. And I'm like, you were with J-Lo? Like, I'm not trying to be, like, superficial or anything, but, huh. Okay, dude. He looked and in the heights. I'm, okay. I didn't want to say that, but I, I thought he was sick. I was like, whoa. Holy moly. He's not. He hasn't been reported as being sick. Maybe that was just for the character. But, Damn. It looked okay. like that formed over. Uh, maybe that was for the character. There you go. Um, 
So maybe let's she'll get, get a little she'll heavy. Get back puppy. Okay, now you're just acting foolish. Because Puffy wanted that old thing back. I don't think she'll ever get back with Puffy, ever. I think I think her day with Puffy is good. But you also notice Ben's game is up. He's not, I think we talked about it before, he's not wearing sweatpants on no He's in those nice joggers. He's, he, he ain't wearing holy old navies. He's in those nice Calvin. J-Lo got him right. Okay. Come on. So, he looks like a schlub. Have you? If you see him out, he still looks he, like a schlub. He does. No, he does not anymore. You're. Oh my God, the yeah, hate him. Did you? Does, did you drink some hate Yeah, I'm full of it. You are Mate, evil. Is, do you think? Do you think uh, J Lo is gonna have him start dressing like Jake or Drake? You know what? The level of hate coming from you right now. Her and Drake were like a thing for a minute and a half. Listen, her and Drake were only a thing for a a, a minute, and she over that. Mm -hmm. Hater. Hater. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's get back to another serious topic. I've called it the new Cuba crisis. Um, This is like more serious than a crisis, though. Cuba is being run by the Span- the Cuban version of Donald Trump. This president is such a communist dictator. The highest weight, and one of the, my favorite actors, Laz Alonzo, who was half black, half Cuban, he talked about it. The highest wage anybody can get, doctor, Uber driver, whatever, $18 an hour. And the Uber driver makes more than the doctor because they get tips. Let that sink in for a second. So the reason why this Cuba is in the news is because last year they had 146 COVID deaths. This year it spiked up to 1,600, and we're not even done with the year. And the government isn't getting them medicine, food, Anything. These people don't even have First Amendment rights. Think about that. First or Second Amendment rights. They don't even have any freedom of speech. Some of the rappers and stuff talking about it that are in Cuba, are, are they're missing now. Um, I was about to say turn up missing, but that's a, <laughs> I remember Scary Movie 4. It was like, how do you turn up missing? But, um, yeah, they're, they're missing. Uh, it's 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 crazy there, and the president is telling his supporters take back the streets. So the Afro Cubans are the ones that started this protest. Like we need better conditions here in Cuba, and think about that. The president deployed military and also told his supporters fight these people. It is so bad in Cuba that if you have an opinion about whatever, the government, you could have a neighbor that's called a spy. They're a spy, basically. I forgot the technical name for them. They will run back to the government and tell them, 
this person at this address said this about the government, and that person will get arrested. That's how bad it is in Cuba right now. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts, Joe? Well, you know, with the uh, with the fall of the of the Soviet Union, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I think think this is one of the uh, one of the, the great indicators of why communism is not is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have money and resources coming in from, you know, let's say the Soviet Union or other communist countries, and you don't have to worry about trade embargoes from the United States, um, keeping everybody on a level playing field doesn't seem so bad because even those people that were living technically in abject poverty um, can't get raised to a level where they're, they're at, at least on a similar level to other people there. And that's, it's regardless of race or ethnicity or, you know, any of those things that are hallmarks of, you know, kind of the, the socioeconomic injustices that you see in a capitalist country like the United States, those things are completely mm-hmm. but not, largely eliminated because mm-hmm. that's one of the hallmarks of communism, that everybody gets their small bite and this is what the government gives you and that's what you get and what you get. You, you get what you get and you don't get upset. Mm-hmm. Now especially because there are so many problems that are happening where, you know, the U S basically kind of backed off, you know, during Obama, but then Trump said, Oh, we're going to, you know, say screw Cuba again. And, um, and basically create a shortage of a lot of material goods. Um, now with, with the, you know, the period after COVID kind of things opening up, their economy is, is, is in the toilet. They're dealing with so many shortages of foods, food and, and other items and it is it there's a void there so now you've got this president who looks completely insensitive to the situation and you know for i mean i i don't think that's necessarily an inaccurate portrayal of his response mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but now you've got this situation that just continues to get worse and silencing critics and silencing the people um, is not mm-hmm. is, isn't going to change the fact. Then you end up with a situation like North Korea, but um, with North Korea, mm-hmm. they have everything so so locked down that you there really isn't much to protest about the injustice there because they are just about as oppressive a regime as you can get. And their version mm-hmm. of of communism is so much further down the rabbit hole. But anyway, so I, I think. You know, a lot of people are now interested in it. They're such a close neighbor to the United States um, that there's a vested interest. There's many Cuban-Americans. There's certainly the, um, the, the, the color aspect to it because now you've got, you know, black Cubans that are, um, uh, are being treated differently and, and running into the, the similar types of problems that you see in, in poor areas in the United States. And so people are latching on to this as, as a cause. Um, similar to, you know, what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago in Palestine, that there are oppressed people around the world and mm-hmm. there are people that are dealing with these regimes that don't take their concerns seriously. They don't take their plight seriously. And, um, you know, if, if, um, if that's the flavor of the, of the month, then people are going to be involved and, and want to, uh, want to, to, 
to speak out against it. I don't know if it's going to affect real change that country is dealing with similar issues as many third world countries. Um, there's just, a, and, uh, there needs to be wide scale economic and social change and political change in order for those things to start to improve. And you just wonder if that's something that's ever going to happen. I don't know. There needs to be a new president first. It starts at the top and it trickles down. And when there's a new president, hopefully that president... It's tough because... And I mean, we we haven't talked about it, but the Haitian president was assassinated. Like, when you have somebody that's different that's going to challenge things, you're also scared that that person isn't going to make it. So it's like, oh, my goodness. I don't know what the, what the, maybe having a new government altogether in Cuba is the answer, not just the president, but the whole government. It's a problem where you see in a, in a place like Haiti, it's, it's, it's very similar. You know, you can, mm. removing the head of state doesn't change the systemic issues. And while, mm-hmm. yes, it certainly does start at the top, you can see that even in terms of how the United States operates, removing, you know, one head of state for another, um, it has it has a ripple effect, but it doesn't have the deep and profound changes that are necessary by looking at things systemically, looking at how structures within the system are are, you know, not impacted by those changes, and what can be done to actually facilitate real change, um, and that's mm. laws. That's you know that's uh, that's that's how funding in, in countries works. Uh, the economy has to the accessibility to the economy and the levers of the economy is is critical to that. And if changing the head of state just puts one corrupt person in in place of another, that doesn't help. In the United States, if you have a constant changing of parties with different philosophies, that doesn't help. Um, so there's no continuity. But the, it's the it's the things below. It's those other systems and structures below that allow that continuity and also the changes to the continuity that are positive and favorable for all people. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the outcome is going to be or what the solution is, but I just know that, um, I'm kind of scared for people to talk um, openly about it in that country, like saying what's going on and blah, 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 you know? Yeah. I'm just, I'm fearful for them. Things just need to change right away because nobody should be living like that. And if we thought we had it bad, they got it a lot worse there. Imagine not having a first amendment, right? Imagine that. Like all these but people you, talking so, about. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, but if you look at why why America is so unique and why we, you know, can still be considered, if not the greatest country on the planet, one of the greatest countries on the planet, is because there are certain things that are that we take for granted. You know, the First Amendment right. Mm-hmm. The you know the, the, the first of all the, the entire Bill of Rights, but um, th- these. These things which are part of enlightenment theory and, you know, the, the, the rights of man and, um, you know, and, and how those things developed into a political construct and evolved over the course of a, of a couple centuries, 
there are so many countries around the world that fall into a category like Cuba as opposed to a category like the United States. And that's the really mm. depressing thing. Like a, a situation in Cuba can continuously happen because the global economy doesn't favor those countries that, um, that probably need it the most, that probably need the support and need the, um, you know, the boost the most. And so I think that's one of the, the crazier things is that you hear a situation like Cuba or Haiti or, you know, Palestine or, you know, literally almost any sub-Saharan country in Africa. And these are things that we are largely immune to. Um, we're mm-hmm. largely insulated. We're largely insulated from hearing about and that we really lack the cultural understanding to be able to address on a larger scale. So you'll have like these quick social movements on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever the case is, but you know, what's being done systemically to change those things so that those people that are truly oppressed have the opportunity and you could still deal with advancing oppression, uh, you know, the, the, the issues of oppression in countries that are that aren't third world countries that are supposed to be advanced and industrial nations. Yeah, this is definitely, like you said, one of the crises of the moment, you know what I mean? Like people are going to post about it, but what are we going to do about it? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That actually leads into our next topic. Um, The biggest topic that we have this week probably, gay for pay. Now, if you don't know what gay for pay is, you're probably heterosexual, and you've never heard the term, kind of like <laughs> cisgender. Um, gay for pay started, that term started hey, in the gay culture. That's totally like, it's a jab. It's not like a shot. Like, it's like a, just a little jab. <laughs> you can take it. It's like a little jab. Um, Fair enough. Gay for pay actually started in gay porn. What gay for pay means, it literally means for gay porn, you are 100% heterosexual outside of porn. You're married, you date women, you're, in, you're not gay at all. You probably don't even post about gay issues. You more than likely, most of the gay for pay guys don't even publicly support the LGBTQ community. But you get paid to do gay porn. There's always been this slight fantasy, which is which why there's so much um, homophobia with with straight men. There's this fantasy of a gay guy, quote, converting a straight guy. And so you have these straight male performers that literally have sex with other men and then go home to their wives or girlfriends. And are just like, I'm not gay. I just do that for money. So that was gay for pay. The reason why it's now a topic is because people, and I'm going to use their um, TikTok name so that you guys can follow them. People like Barrett Paul, and it's B-A-R-R-E-T-T-P-A-L-L. People like Hope Giselle One. People like Dion Reloaded are exposing the gay for pay men outside of porn. So these guys are really dangerous. These guys are claiming to be gay 
or doing homoerotic videos with other men, heterosexual men, for likes, for TikTok gifts, for um, followers to go up. One guy, somebody exposed one of the guys because one of the guys reached out to Barrett, Paul, and said, this is not our problem. We're just offering, you know, our bodies up, and these people are paying for it. No sex is involved. What's the big deal? Well, apparently this guy had somebody that went to high school with him said, yeah, he claimed to be autistic when he was in high school and got all these donations. He's been doing this forever. So this is why they're duping people. And then there are some gay men that are like, oh, they're fine. Don't worry about it. They're fine. No, they're not. Because they're claiming to be gay. They literally are making fake profile accounts like Austin Powers 1. Oh, I'm gay. This is my boyfriend. And then their real account, um, Jeremy Roy 3, is they're heterosexual. And they have a girlfriend. And they have a wife and they have a fiance, and they're having a baby. So they're literally lying to get money to fund their lives, their real lives. And that is a problem. That is the same thing as catfishing, but they're gay fishing. They are queer baiting, and we can't let them do that anymore. So follow those three accounts. Find out, you know, all you need to know, and just boycott these guys. They need it. They, because what they're doing is they're, they're reaping all the benefits of being called or being celebrated as, a, as gay men. But if you really look at them, they're not getting harassed. They're not getting beat up. They're not, you can't, you can't do that. No. They're not even posting support. They didn't, not one of them had posted any support during Pride Month either. But they're, they'll gladly show you their butthole on OnlyFans. One of them, and I'm going to call him out, because I had personal experience with him. This guy back in 2017, his name is Jeff Casser. He put up a video of him and his other friend, Travis, who I can't remember Travis's name, are working in the gym. It's like a quick video. It was like almost like a Vine video. They're working in a gym, and a girl comes in. And the girl's really hot. They both fight over her. And then she gets down, and she says something. But what she says, they deepened her voice, meaning that she was a trans woman. So then they run screaming away from her. I told him, Sir, that's transphobic. You need to take it down. Oh, it's all in fun. It's not transphobic. Okay, first of all, if somebody from that group tells you they are offended by what you've posted, you don't tell us what it is. We are telling you what it is, number one. He didn't take it down for the longest time. I think somebody other than myself, I will admit I reported him, Somebody other than me must have reported it because not only did he get it taken down, but his account 
got suspended. It's in my timeline um, on Facebook. So um, he started a new account without that video, which is hilarious. Fast forward to the other day, I am on YouTube. This guy sat, I swear, Joe, I am a straight guy, but if you go to my OnlyFans, I have sex with another guy. What? From being transphobic to being gay for pay? Absolutely fucking not. I will not have that. And he did it on his own account. He didn't do it. Like, he didn't create a fake account. And again, look at his post. Not one show of support for the LGBTQ community ever. As an actual heterosexual man who doesn't participate in gay for pay, how do you feel about all this? Well, I have to tell you, I'm a, I'm a little bit confused. And um, okay. number one, how are these things monetized? And, and I and and I, I don't mean that in in kind of the you know, the literal sense of, like, how are these things monetized? Because mm-hmm. I know that, obviously, followers and clicks and, and being able to, you mm-hmm. know, increase your, 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 uh, your, your base is, is certainly something that, that adds to the monetization of whatever your online persona is. But I just, I guess my question is, if these things are so easy to find out, right? Like, it's so easy to mm-hmm. find out that this, you know, that, that a couple of these TikTokers are just essentially using this to try to, to, to exploit, um, you know, interest in, 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 in a specific community, whether it's autism or whether it's the, the gay community. If it's so easy to find that out, why would someone participate and then follow these people to begin with? I can answer that. Um, I can answer both your questions. So um, if you see a hot guy on TikTok, especially TikTok because it's the new thing. You see a hot guy and you take him for face value. I see a hot guy and I, re- I do the research, honey. No, I'm not going to lie to you. I've done research on plenty of guys that I followed. Um, but mm-hmm. if he's got all these fans, if he's got, you know, over 100K fans, I think what they're thinking is, well, he must be legit because – He's got all these fans. I don't need to do research on him. He's got 100,000 fans. Obviously, someone would have exposed him by now, so let me just follow him. Now, the second part, and, and this is why we're talking about it now. Right now, if you go into someone's live, so someone does a TikTok live, you can give them yeah. gifts. So what you do is, did I explain the TikTok gifts to you before? I don't know. No, I but I know that. about it. Okay, so what's going to happen is, and it's coming very soon, TikTok is now going to be able to allow your videos to get gifts. So now they literally will be profiting from the gay community. What they also do, Joe, is they'll create an OnlyFans, and they'll have a subscription. One month is this, three months is this, six months is this, a year is this. 
Now, if right. you're a gay man and you're following him on TikTok, you're going to click his link and go to his OnlyFans. Not only do you want to see how big he is, you want to see what he has sex like. You want to see who his friends are. What if he's single and he's just promiscuous? What if he's single or what if he's not single? He's in a, a relationship and he's having sex with a boyfriend. You as a, a fan who admires him and fantasize about him, you want to see that. So again, he's making profit there. What they also do, Joe, is they will quit their job to be social media content creators. What that means is mm-hmm. they have a website that has all of their merchandise, whether it has their name, whether it has a funny phrase that associated with them. They literally are having an income where they stay at home and they're sleeping and they're making money while they sleep because they are a gay homosexual. That was from South Park. Um, so that's how they're making money off of profiting from being gay. And yet, if they were ever, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not accosted. If they were ever approached by, let's say, a hater, like you fucking queer, they'd be like, dude, I, this is my girlfriend. I'm not queer. I only do that for a job. Oh, okay. They're not getting beat up. They deserve to get beat up. But I'm saying they can turn that on and off. What that is to me, that's the equivalent of, a man in a wig, taking off, saying, oh, I'm trans, and then taking off that wig and be like, I'm not trans, what? But, I, but you're trans online. That's the equivalent. And it's disgusting. It's so disgusting. Actually, there is so one the, guy so that it, I follow. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. There's this one guy that I follow that his family, I'm not going to name his name, his family, like, wants something to do with him because of his content, and just like, see? See? Like, I mean, take the hint. Sorry, what were you going to say? So, I guess my, my, my two cents on it is that this is clearly a fad. This is not mm. something that is is going to result in the ongoing exploitation of, you know, of, of a community. And, you know, for what it's worth, this is something that almost, uh, that many, many people experience in one way, shape or form in terms of exploitation. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that, and, and I, I hate to bring this up because I, I know it kind of feeds into a whole, a whole other topic, but it's the, this larger conversation of exploitation and appropriation of a certain group uh-huh. is something uh-huh. that it's is that's why I was you know last week when we were talking about this and we were talking about how um, the Kardashians have largely gained fame off of presenting a persona presenting a persona uh-huh. that's probably not very legitimate and certainly not representative of who they really were at the outset now, are they now wealthy and can present this, you know, a, a different persona? Of course they can. You know, is, is it the same thing as saying that they're fashion designers? Well, you know, now that they have fashion lines, technically you could say that. But did they go to school for it? Did they, you know, mo- you know did they deal in the trenches with working at, at you know, a larger fashion house as, you know, just some, you know, some low-level employee learning the ropes? 
No, of course not. But, you know, mm-hmm. and so to me, there's, there's always this question of what people will utilize in the, in the public face and what they'll exploit from, an, you know, basically a largely unsuspecting public in order to make themselves and enrich themselves, but to make themselves appear something that they're not in order to, uh, to, you know, to, I guess, get ahead. And it's it unfortunate that we're, you know, right, mm-hmm. yeah, right now we're talking mm-hmm. about it in the context of, of the gay community and, and, um, you know, a great, and this is part of like one of the things that I was looking at was like, there's actually one of the things that confuses me the most is that, you know, people look at this situation and there's plenty of gay actors out there, right. That play straight mm-hmm. characters and, there's plenty that have gone their whole careers. I mean, you look at, you know, people like Rock Hudson or um, what was the the guy who played Mike Brady? I can't even think of his name. Um, who Not died of name. HIV. I mean, there are people that have made mm-hmm. careers out of playing straight people. And that kind mm-hmm. of appropriation, to me, belies something completely different. It's because there were no avenues. There weren't, there weren't roles being written for gay men or gay women in Hollywood. So that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're an actor and you aspire to act, that's the avenue that you had to take. But now mm-hmm. you start to see how the, this cultural appropriation, how it impacts communities that have already been exploited for whatever reason. And there are other avenues into, you know, into fame, but, the, but this seems more nefarious in how they're doing it mm-hmm. and how people are utilizing that access and really not taking, they're not taking on the brunt of the actual role itself. Like becoming, if you're a gay actor or actress and becoming a straight person, like you're not, you know, if you're Mike Brady, what's, what's, what, what negative outcome is there from that? Mm. People aren't going to accost you on the street and say, oh, you're the dad in the Brady bunch, you know, you're raising six, like they're not, they're not, that's not going to happen. Um, so it's like, you know, it's like your, your on-screen persona or the, the fake persona that you're trying to, per, you know, purvey is not something that's going to be, be a threat to you. But this is, where, this is where I think it's nefarious. Like you said, if someone is not dealing with the negative outcomes of that and they can just easily just take off their hat or take off their wig, like you said, it's disingenuous. And it mm-hmm. really, it, it, it takes away from what people are actually experiencing in the real world and the, the types of, of scary discrimination and types of uh, attacks that happen in the real world that they're immune to. Um, and I think that's shameful more than anything else. They should be ashamed mm-hmm. of themselves, but they're not. And, that, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the, the guy who, you know, faked it or, or pretended that he was autistic. And then now oh. he's doing gay, gay for pay. They're just mm-hmm. going to take the next shiny object and try to exploit mm-hmm. it. And that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Because now people are going to look at, it's like homeless people. Let's take homeless people, for example. You see a homeless person and immediately the first two things that run through your mind is this person's faking or they're going to use it for drugs. Because you saw one incident or you heard one incident where someone who was homeless 
ended up leaving in a Mercedes. You heard the story or you heard, you, you saw one of the homeless people drunk pissing in the Bank of America ATM vestibule, whatever. Same thing with autism. You find out that one person is faking autism. Well, if he can fake it, so can other people. And the thing about being gay for pay, other way around, Matt Bomer kept his private life private, but took um, straight roles all the time. He took every straight Mm -hmm. role that he could. White collar, you know. Then at the end of white collar, he came out as gay. Because he was married with three kids, and he felt ashamed holding that in. He didn't want them to feel like they were some sort of secret that he needed to keep anymore. Mm -hmm. And he's gotten support, obviously. But back in the day, if Rock Hudson came out at the beginning of his career as gay, nobody would have worked with him because they would have thought, oh, God, I don't... What other... He'd have to work with other gay actors, and he'd have to make gay, gay films. In fact, when he was on Dynasty, his last role, when he had HIV, people told Linda Evans, because he would play Linda Evans' um, love interest, don't kiss him because that's mm-hmm. how you get HIV. Linda was like, fuck that, and she kissed him. And that was, oh, oh my God, she kissed a man with HIV. Is she okay? Is she going to get AIDS? Oh, my God. She didn't give a fuck. But my point is, the other way around, you don't have to deal with being beat up or ostracized when you come out as straight. No one's going to say, God damn, you stupid straighter. There's There's no term to call a straight person that's derogatory. None. You can call them a breeder, but they think it's funny. You know what I mean? Like, so no one's getting beat up for being straight. If you come out as gay, like Colton, for example, Colton Underwood came out as gay through being on The Bachelorette and The Bachelor. People were saying, why'd you waste Cassie's time? You're a liar. Why'd you do that? You're a a phony. Like, he got basically ostracized. It's not the same the other way around. So, I don't know. I don't know. This is always going to continue. And let's just be honest, because Joe brought it to my attention, and I didn't even know. One of the village people were were straight. So it's like this has been going on for a very long time. Um, If you can imagine someone in the village people, do your research. Like Joe said to me, one of the guys in the village people was a heterosexual. And that was the gayest my mind was blown. (laughs) Love. But if you think about that for think think about that for a second though, what you were saying about mm-hmm. you know homeless people and people you know yeah. automatically formulate these these opinions about homeless people, and I think mm-hmm. that you know a discerning eye is is important, but I don't think it should be to the point where you know it's similar to the where you've had the same arguments for people that are are shopping and you see them pull out their their welfare uh, or their um their their mm-hmm. um, their EBT and 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 pay for something, um, you know that that you feel is inappropriate. 
you know, it's the same kind of harsh, judgmental attitude that creates mm-hmm. these problems to begin with. Because if you think about it, you can't exploit people if, if, they're, if they're aware of this information. If people are aware that mm. you're actually a straight person, then they can't, you can't be exploited for pretending to be gay because then at that point, everyone knows that you're just, you're just performing a role. And it's the same thing. Right. Not everybody who goes on TikTok, not everyone who, who, who does videos or, or um, you know, is, is portraying themselves as gay, not everyone is, is, is a straight person that's masquerading. And that's the problem mm. is that when we discern, when we're trying to discern these things, um, it, it gets harder and harder because people are better at masquerading. These people, they're better, they're better at blending dating, Like, I'll take, for example, J.T. Laybourne. J.T. Laybourne is married. He has kids. He has merchandise that celebrates pride. And he doesn't have it just for June. He has it year-round. Mm-hmm. You think I'm not going to go ahead and buy something from him? I already did. I bought a couple things from him. And when I go into his live, he acknowledges me. And, but just like everybody, not just me, sorry. But my point is they could use their platform to support instead of lie. Like, think about that. Yeah. If these guys have millions of followers, instead of having to have sex with a guy because they think it's going to get them followers, have a conversation and sit down and, or do something for pride as a straight ally, like, that would go farther. That would go so much farther. And it might create some education. But instead, yeah. they want to push the limits and... And then the thing what happens is, unfortunately, they might meet the love of their life, who's a woman, and if she finds out about this, because a lot of black women feel this way, it's mostly white men that are, that are gay, that are the queer baiters, which is funny because queer bait was a term we used back in the 80s to make fun of someone. Now it's an actual thing, which is hilarious. Um, especially black women, they have this thing where if I'm messing around with a guy and I find out he's been with another guy, I don't want to be with him. So they're setting themselves up to be limited in the straight world. Just ally. Like, you don't have to do all, you're doing too much, foodie. Too much. Just stick to, stick to the basics. Be a gay ally. Like, that's what we need. We don't need that. The last quick segue I want to say on this, I was in researching this topic. I was very shocked to, um, I was completely blown away. Like when I found out, so, so just to kind of backtrack a little bit, when I was looking at this, I was like, well, uh, how many, how many gay actors or actresses have played straight roles? And, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and when I was looking into this, I was like, yeah, I remember when, when Wentworth, um, Miller, was it Wentworth Miller? Yeah. From uh, your prison, prison break, well, when I found 20. out, when I found, yeah, and I was like completely shocked by that, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in in my mind, I'm like, that's that's how solid of an actor he portrayed this character, right? So then I mm-hmm. started looking at this list, and I was like blown away of people that I had no idea that they were they were gay yeah. and playing straight characters. 
And um, yeah. so I, I'm going to give you, like, the top, well, a couple of them. Yeah, Luke go ahead. Evans. Luke yeah. Evans. I had yep. no he just, an idea. Actually, there's controversy with Luke because he came out, then he went back in the closet, then he came out again. That was confusing, but yeah. yeah. Yep, Luke Evans, yep. Completely blown away by that. Didn't even know. Yep. Um, the, there were, there were, um, the one, one of the ones that stuck out the most because I thought it was like, I, I, don't, I thought it was hilarious how, not how he played the Hollywood industry, but, but how, how as, as talented as an, as an actor this person is, um, I thought it was like, you know, how much that must suck to have gone through a good chunk of your career having to masquerade mm-hmm. this, but Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. He, he played a yep. notorious womanizer on mm-hmm. How I Met Your Mother. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, to me, especially the fact that they had cast him as that, I was, you know, I was, I was blown away that that was after he had come out and they had cast him at that because that really shows mm-hmm. just how great of an actor he is, you know? Um, yep. Who was the other one? There was another one that was really, um, that kind of blew me away. Um, Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. Yeah, that was it. That was the last one. Yeah. Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Talk about going your entire career in your entire adult life. Mm-hmm. And then in your 70s, finally yeah. having the opportunity to be able to live your, your true life in the public eye and, yep. and coming out. Like, to me, that was mind-blowing because this is a character, uh, you know, a person who would play characters I grew up with. I remember watching mm-hmm. Nine to Five as a kid. Yeah. Just being like, yep. this movie's yep. hysterical. And, uh, you know, and they're all being kind of, uh, uh, you know, sexually of, uh, harassed in their own way by Dabney Coleman's character. But it was like, holy shit, when you look back in retrospect at, at some of these characters and some of these people, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, why is it such a shock to me that, you know, when they come out, and probably to, to a lot of people when they come out, but mm-hmm. it doesn't take away from my respect for them as, a, as an actor, as a performer. It's, it's actually, it, to me, it, it makes them seem that much more because now they're, they're actually, they were acting in two ways. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy to me that this is still going to be news. This isn't over. <laughs> there are going to be more to come. There mm-hmm. going to be more to come. Oh, I know who the biggest who... one was. Oh, go ahead. Elliot Page. Page was... Which was... part? Not when Elliot so, came out as so a lesbian or when Elliot came out as trans. So that's exactly it because it was, there were two layers to it. Now, yeah. Obviously, if you if you remember if you remember obviously when you know the character in Juno and some of the mm-hmm. other characters that Elliot played in, early in and I should say early in her career now his career, mm-hmm. like you you never you you never put those those um, those things into context until after the fact when mm-hmm. you know. Just coming out as a lesbian and then coming out as trans, you see these, these, these situations that now force you to kind of confront what your biases are about certain characters and certain roles that they play. And it's like, wow, holy shit. Imagine 
going mm-hmm. through your career and mm-hmm. coming to these revelations. And it's not like Elliot's an old actor. You know, nope. he's, you know, he, he's relatively early in his career. And it's, it's mind blowing yeah. to me to see that, that you go through both of the, both of those very, very stark contrast transitions in a very short period of time, um, which in some cases you'd think in Hollywood it would be career suicide, but it's admirable because taking that risk mm-hmm. and being your, your true self is something that so many actors and actresses and people in general have, have hidden from throughout their entire lives. It's, it's, um, it, it gives it gives me hope that there are, are opportunities for that to continue. So I know, like you said, this is not the end of it, but um, mm-hmm. but seeing how this how these types of watershed moments and these types of of um, you know admissions of of you know who people truly are, um, it gives it gives you hope that there there is the possibility that more and more of these situations as they happen become the norm and not necessarily these exceptions that we hear about that we're like, holy shit. Oh my God. I couldn't believe it. Mm. I think the two shocking ones for me in my entire life were George Michael and Ricky Martin, because I grew up on George's music and I just never like, and he had a girlfriend for most of his career. And so I was like, he's gay and I was younger too and in my head when I was younger I liked boys the earliest I can remember was four and I did not hide that fact I never knew what the gay word was until I was older but I never hid the fact that I liked boys so I was like did he have like a bad relationship and then turn to boys I was very confused when he came out I didn't understand how someone can date a girl and then, like, boys after. I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, I learned to. And the same with Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin was, like, dating some, like, Spanish um, news anchor while he was on General Hospital. And, um, and then he came out as gay after, like, his music career blew up. And I'm like, wait, hold on. No, he's not. There's no way. Honey, I have no gaydar whatsoever. Literally, Joe could be gay, and I have no idea. Like, for real. Like, I mean, obviously, it's not going to happen, but um, I, I actually don't want to speak for you. But I just, I have no gaydar whatsoever. So I was shocked by those two. Liberace, I was not shocked by. Everybody else was shocked by. I'm like, guys, he dressed up, and he had the gay accent. How did you not know this man was gay? Oh, well, he didn't come out. Sweetie. Elton John didn't come out either, but I knew he was. Like, there are certain guys that I knew for a fact were gay. Liberace and Elton John, I knew were gay. Ricky Martin, George Michael, shocked. Shocked. Like, literally. Well, um, I, I, I will... I will dispel any any rumors to the oh, okay. contrary. I am not gay. Um, you're going to upset yeah. a few people that are listening right now. And I know I'm, a couple I'm sorry, of them. Y'all. So. <laughs> I'm, tell sorry, you I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah uh, he's not gay, um, guys. 
Yeah, it's not. Uh, if he was, he would happen. come out to me first. I guarantee you, he would come out to me first. He would tell me. And I'm about as outspoken as they get. So if I if if that he were really in the case, I would have probably I probably would have uh, I probably would have said something a long, long, long time ago. Yes. So uh, the last two topics we have. Um, one, the there's a new COVID strand, strain, strand, I don't know, whatever, the Delta variant, which I, I feel bad for the Delta Airlines. They're, like, probably really pissed. Um, it <laughs> showed up in India in December of last year. That was the first case. And it's pretty bad. It definitely attacks unvaccinated people more severely than the, the regular strand. But there was a news, um, a news reporter named Kat Sadler who was fully vaccinated, and she asked, um, we need to stay vigilant. We were told this isn't over. I don't know why people are walking around like it is. Um, this, this ain't over, folks. Um, and it's more contagious than the regular strain. Joe, um, what do you have to say about this Delta variant? Um, so I've, I've, I've had my, um, my vaccine. I've been vaccinated mm-hmm. for well over a month now, um, fully vaccinated well over a month. And that's after having had COVID um, mm-hmm. only a few months ago as well. And probably still having antibodies, but, you know, whatever. You, 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 you there, there's no, there's no, um, there's no concern for me in terms of <laughs> keeping myself as safe as possible and keeping others as safe as possible. Um, the thing about mm-hmm. the Delta variant that, that concerns me the most is that, um, you know, when you look at the, the division in our country and the division in how people are perceiving COVID, how they're perceiving um, the safety of themselves and others around them, um, this, is where, this is where, like, our greatest fears are kind of the rubber meets the road. And when, when, when we talk about getting vaccinated and the importance of getting vaccinated and why vaccines have, have largely been, you know, something that the medical community has stood by for decades and why, you know, the importance of doing it, this is the exact reason why. And when you mm-hmm. see the level of hospitalizations that are occurring where it's well over 90% in almost every place that, that's keeping track of it, um, well over 90% of those people that are being hospitalized are the ones that are not vaccinated or not mm-hmm. fully vaccinated. That's where, to me, it shows that we have so much work to do in educating people and making sure that they understand the importance of why these public health initiatives go into place to begin with. Um, it's scary to me that there are still so many people out there that refuse to get it because of purely political reasons or because of misinformation or because of just their silly obstinance. Um, but at the same time, that outreach has to continue because otherwise uh, we're going to continue to see variations that have these impacts on, uh, you know, not only just American lives, but lives around the world. And we're going to continue to see this, this pandemic continue in a way that is 
you know, frankly, largely preventable. Um, you know, there are certain countries where they just don't have the same level of access to healthcare that we do. And to, for us to have vaccination rates at the, at, you know, at, at the low numbers that we have in some of these states that are seeing these explosive amounts of cases is sad. It's sad because you can see that it's drawn along almost the identical political map that we just saw in the election. So those people that support, you know, one side of the spectrum in terms of, of their politics are largely saying they don't want to get the vaccine when the person that most people on the right voted for, which is Trump, went out and got the vaccine. Now, did he spend a year and a half or, you know, a a good chunk of, of, of the past um, you know, the, the, the time that he was in office, downplaying the virus, talking shit about mm-hmm. vaccines, talking shit about mm-hmm. Fauci, you know, you know, basically saying that, you know, um, you know, that it's, it's going to go away by summer and, and that these things are, are not a concern, of course. And then you have media outlets that have portrayed this, again, using the same language as not a big deal. And because those people that are now saying they don't want to get vaccinated or they refuse to get vaccinated because this is all hoax and it's all a joke, um, because of that fact, you can see that the divisiveness that was created over the past several years, which is, you know, basically, you know, hasn't just started under Trump, but it's been going on for, for uh, probably a better part of the last two decades, that increasing divisiveness is now having real-world implications on communities that are now dealing with these higher COVID rates and COVID deaths. And, you know, vaccinated locations like New England in general, the Northeast in general, are fairly insulated against them. Mm-hmm. And that's sad. Yeah, the part that got me is that the people on the right talking about vaccines being ineffective and I don't want to get it yet Trump got it your leader got the vaccine like what he was the one of the first to get the vaccine what what do you I, I don't know whatever whatever I don't my, my wife and my my wife made a really good my wife made a, made a really good point about this too we were talking about this the other day and, and she you know she was you know, she was in the same boat I was. She had she had COVID. We you know we had it a few months ago, and and you know then um, in terms of um, you know having the antibodies, we felt fairly protected at that point. So did Trump. Trump had COVID mm-hmm. before he got the vaccine, yep. and it was within yep. three months before he had gotten the vaccine that he had a very severe case, so severe that he had to get hospitalized at Walter Reed. And, you know, you didn't hear from him for a few days, and everyone was like, what's happening? Is, he, is our president going to die of COVID? Um, and granted, Which would have been ironic. Best, it would have been ironic. But he had the best treatment going, you know, available to any American. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he still felt that it was appropriate to get the vaccine. And, you know, I'm glad that my wife brought that up because, you know, we forget just how mm-hmm. – in, in your face, he was about how, you know, it's a hoax. It's going to mm-hmm. go away. It's not real. Don't worry about it. Fauci's being an alarmist and, you know, you don't need to, to worry about it. And then he gets it and people still were like, eh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll just take my hydroxychloroquine and I'll, I'll be you know, like, people were still 
burying their heads in the sand. And then when they started talking about vaccinations, he went out and got it in secret. It's not like he went out and advertised. Yes, it's not like he publicized it. That's it's right. It's not like he had a, a, a camera crew there following him around while he got it and, and, and then going out on a, on a public campaign to then say, you need to get vaccinated too. As Americans, do your, do your due diligence, but get out and get your vaccines because it will save lives. It will save your neighbors, your friends, your family. It will save people's lives. Instead, he just quietly went off and, 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 to me, that's the, that's one of the biggest shames about this this entire situation is that these deaths, a lot of these deaths, are preventable, and mm-hmm. a lot of the misery and suffering that we've experienced and ha- are going to continue to experience. There's a reason why California, the LA County, just reinstituted their mask mandate. All those people that have been bitching and moaning about, oh, I don't want to wear my mask. Well, now again, if you're not willing to take the steps to prevent the spread of this and to help and to contribute to, to, to what the country is dealing with, then you're going to end up with more of these responses that you're not going to like. So you're going to get, you're, you're going to get one way or the other. You're going to get, you know, the, the, a negative outcome if you're not willing to, to contribute and to try to support, um, you know, a very public effort to try to mitigate this, this problem and to limit the pandemic, which is now going to have a resurgence at a time where, we really don't need it. The economy doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, local businesses don't need it. Uh, you know, our health and our, our sanity doesn't need it. And here we are again, going through the same problem that we did for the past year and a half of, of trying to deal with this epidemic. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. It's sad. It makes me crazy. Three things before we move on to our final topic. Number one, Remember when Melania just like up and disappeared for months and nobody knew what happened to her? And then she came back and was like, oh, yeah, she had something wrong with her kidney. Okay. I'm thinking she probably mm-hmm. had COVID and, and was, was treated, treated for it. And yeah. Um, two, Biden and Harris and other people did the exact same thing that you said he should have done. And they were ostracized for making it a big deal. They were looked down upon for trying to create publicity for a lie and blah, blah, blah. And it's so hilarious because had Trump did the very thing that you said, things would have been different. And the Mm -hmm. third thing is, do you remember the audio that was leaked of the White House staffers that said, oh, we're going to be fine. We've all had the um, the vaccine. Do you remember that? They were in the um, oh, yeah. press room. Yeah, so just interesting that these people still believe the vaccine is a hoax and you get microchips and it, it puts aluminum or metal or a magnet in you and whatever. So weird. Anyways, um, the final topic we have today is uh, the primetime enemy. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because it is a historic award season, award show, actually. Um, First of all, the people of color nominated is more than any, I think, aside from 
the NAACP, the BET Awards, this is the most black people nominated for a major award. Um, major. But aside from that, some of the highlights that I found, and they're probably different from Joe, um, number one, Jonathan Major, Majors and Journey Smollett were nominated for Lovecraft Country in the lead category. This is the first time that's happened um, for two black actors at the same time. Um, that's huge. Huge. That show was amazing. And then you got um, the, we nominated for supporting. It's just, it was an amazing piece. The biggest, the biggest story from the daytime or the primetime Emmy was MJ Rodriguez being an Latina trans woman openly being nominated for lead actress in a drama series. Never happened before in the history of this and many awards. Um, wow, that is huge. I think she's like the, the first open trans woman, like huge. I'm going to say I want her to win, but from past experience, she probably won't. Um, but I want her to win so badly. Another one that was huge is Boeing Yang from SNL, nominated as the first Chinese American and Best Supporting Actor. Um, huge. He is hilarious. I hope he wins. But again, who knows? I mean, Sandra Oh should have been a winner from Grey's Anatomy. I mean, her ugly cry is beyond anything I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen anybody ugly cry like her. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah. A couple of sentimental nominations. Stacey Abrams was nominated for her voiceover work on Blackish. And this one got me in my fields for days, y'all. So... If you've ever watched Friends, which I just did the rewatch, the show was supposed to be centered around Monica. Courtney Cox is the only cast member on that show that has never been nominated for a damn Emmy. And because she is one of the executive producers of the reunion show, she finally got a fucking nomination. I'm so happy for her. I honestly hope they win. I don't care about the other nominees. I want Courtney to have her Oscar, or Emmy. She deserves it. She's been waiting her whole career. She should have got nominated for Cougar Town so many times, but, yeah. She, she's amazing, and I want her to win. One nomination before I move to Joe that was kind of controversial um, so we talked about last week, I believe, Felicia Rashad. She was actually nominated after her controversy came out for guest actress in a drama series for This Is Us. Kind of surprising um, that they would still have her 
as a nominee. Her work was solid, but I, if she wins, I don't know, like, who will applaud her. Um, yeah, I, ooh. Sometimes, like, with James Franco and his sex controversy, your controversy costs you a award. So, I don't know. I don't know who, uh, yeah. Joe, um, what did you take away from the nominations? Well, I'll start at the end with Felicia Rashad. There's nothing like throwing mm-hmm. a little controversy into the conversation when you're talking about getting getting some hype for the Emmys. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's I, I I don't see how she has any shot of winning that. Um, mm-hmm. that that's, and I think a lot of it <laughs> comes from the fact that there's, there's certain certain shows like The Crown and The Handmaid's Tale that um, that are going to it's going to be tough to to beat them because of the the significant public support and the critical support of those shows. Um, mm-hmm. I, having watched some of This Is Us, the earlier seasons of This Is Us, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. I think it's kind of, it's kind of cliched writing, but anyway. Um, yeah. I think, you know, in, in, in looking at, the long list of people that are nominated this year and the, um, the fact that, you know, this is, you know, again, this is an award show and, and part of American lifestyle that has been, is being reinvigorated after the pandemic. Um, I think it's fantastic that this is such a diverse offering. And, Mm -hmm. um, I also, I also think it's pretty epic that, um, you know, like you said, that we have the first, uh, trans nominee, which, you know, it's again, mm-hmm. mind blowing that, that we're in 2021 and this is where we're at. But, um, like I always say, progress is, it's better than, um, it's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, do I, do I think that we're going to see, um, significant wins? I don't know. I, th- I think every year that they mm. have the Emmys and that they have the Oscars or any of these award shows, I think there's always a couple surprises, but, um, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just glad that, uh, again, this is just another reflection of things kind of returning back to normal. And yep. um, you know, hopefully it's an, an entertaining show. Yeah, I mean, look at, I mean, Laverne was nominated for Emmys and she never won. So it's like, will MJ win? I, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I actually will watch this year, though, because I want to see what happens, as opposed to waiting for IMDb to refresh, which I've done in the past. So maybe it's a way to, like you said, get publicity and drum up some controversy. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, Last two things before we go. Do you have an Eva Mendes moment this week? I'll be honest, I don't. So you don't. I don't. I feel like the whole week was like good. I know. I couldn't think of anything. Yeah. Um. What about you? I didn't really have. I don't. I didn't really have an Eva Mendes moment myself. I think this week was. Yeah. Um, 
this week was good in a lot of ways. My, you know, I, I my mom was up, um, as I mentioned last week, my mom was up for a visit and she left on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had, I had a really good visit, um, with her being in town, staying, staying with, uh, with my wife and I, and it was really, um, it was really mm-hmm. nice to have her up. I, I, I miss having her so far away, but it's, it's nice to have her up for a visit. And, um, and that's always something that, um, I really relish being able to spend time with her. Um, I wish I, you know, I wish I had more time that I could spend with her and my dad and um, even my sister and my brother. Um, even though my brother's not mm-hmm. that far, my sister's not that far. It's just, um, my sister is far down where my parents are in Georgia, but, um, you know, it's nice. I, I will say the one, the one thing that I did want to um, talk about is I'm excited that my, uh, my son will be home soon. And um, so what, that's, what? that's always exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about that. Um, and, you know, really it's just kind of just planning for the, planning for the summer, trying to get away and, and doing some fun stuff and continue to, to rehab my, my leg so that I can, uh, I can take full part in, in, in the excitement that's, uh, you know, that's the summer of 21 and, um, and that's it. It's really crazy. Nothing really. I know, I know, I know. I'm trying. You're not 25 anymore. I'm pretty close. Joseph. Um, last thing before we go, any shout outs? Um, shout out to my mom. She's awesome. I love her. Aww. Uh, always a shout. Yeah, always a shout out to my wife. She's um, she's always putting up with my nonsense, but um, mm-hmm. you know she's she's uh. We, we had a we had a crazy week with uh, with my stepdaughter's first uh, first introduction to summer camp this week, so that was kind of crazy. And um, you know, I, I applaud my wife. She's always uh, she's always problem solving in ways that I usually don't. <laughs> um, but I give her a lot of credit for uh, you know for for always sticking her neck out there and trying to do whatever she can to make uh, to make. Julia's life better so I, I always enjoy watching her work as a mom and um, and shout out to all the people that are still getting vaccinated that maybe you know this has prompted them to get out there and, and do the right thing um, I, I hope it, I hope that this will spark some interest in people going out and doing the research and doing the homework to make sure that they're uh, you know they're getting vaccinated as needed and um, and doing their best to protect each other really important right now. Yep. Nice. Those are some good shout outs. Um, my final shout out is going to go to my friends such as Joe and three specific friends. Um, obviously all my friends, but three specific, Joe, Casey, and Elliot. The reason being is these three people listen to my nonsense about my writing specifically. <laughs> and they are the biggest cheerleaders I have ever had. Joe is the best hype man ever. If you don't have a hype man like Joe, you need to get one. He is <laughs> so good at being honest and positive And I just, I'm so thankful for having you in my life still. Um, 
yeah, I, I'm going to give you guys, these three, a shout out because they're all amazing in your own ways. So thank you. Thank you. Um, thank, thank you for, but that's, I'm gonna, I'm, and I'm going to yeah, speak go for, I'm going to speak for Casey and, and for Elliot, if Elliot was involved, but thank you for entrusting us with your ideas and, and your, uh, your, your thoughts, because um, I, I love, I love that you are involving us in any way in your creative process. That's so cool to be mm-hmm. like, to watch this mm-hmm. unfold and, um, you know, keep, keep it coming, keep the ideas coming. I'm happy to, to give my two cents, whatever value they provide. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it and, um, you know, keep it up. It's awesome. It's awesome to watch. This is why I keep him around. Yeah. He annoys me sometimes, but this is why I keep him around. Guys. He, he doesn't annoy me. I'm just kidding. But yeah, he's amazing. So thank you. All right. That's all I got for this week. Um, thank you again so much for listening to us. We appreciate you. And I just want to get a heads up. We might be getting sponsorship soon. I'm working on it. Yes. So thanks for hanging in there. Appreciate you. Enjoy your Sunday. And we will talk to you again next week. Bye, everyone. Happy Sunday. Bye, everybody. Still thirsty for more tea? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Spilled Tea PC. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Spilled Tea.